1994. That's 30 years ago. That makes me feel really old. Like, you, you know you feel old when your children's Christmas presents for you are retro gear? They're like, yeah, the old stuff, we thought you'd like that for Christmas. Merry Christmas, Dad. This is for my kids. In 1994, um, I was a student in the youth ministry at Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And that's the first time I ever, like, officially preached a sermon was in that student ministry. That's interesting uh, because 29 years later, uh, this past November, uh, our oldest son Garrett preached his first official sermon in that student ministry in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, He's been serving in an internship there. He's a student at Trinity Baptist College. And um, there's a lot of people who are in ministry because their parents were in ministry and they felt obligated to be in ministry. We've tried really hard to send a message to our three boys. You don't have to be in the family business. Like, whatever God's called you to is what we are going to cheer you on the loudest for. Um, and Garrett has, has sensed a call to, uh, to student ministry and to ministry in general. And when he preached that sermon, I was speaking at a retreat uh, about an hour north of there. They scheduled him on that week knowing I'd be in town. It was really cool. So Maurice and I got to be there to hear him speak. And I thought, that is a word from the Lord that our church body needs to hear. And we also need, um, I think, to participate in the fruit that we've invested in together. This past year, 2023, was kind of a milestone in the American church. Um, Not a milestone um, that's necessarily exciting, one that causes us a bit of concern. It's the first year since they started tracking all of this that the median age of a pastor in America is now 60 years old. They're... It's an epidemic of a void of young people saying, I'm willing to serve in ministry. It's Bible colleges across the country are empty in their ministerial classes. And here's the thing. We, we don't want students to feel obligated to go into ministry in order to be the good kids. But we sure do want to cheer on the ones who do think they're called to do the hard things. Like we want to be a ministry that's that's fostering that. And And praise God, like we've got students who we've invested in for their whole little generations, and they're walking with the Lord. And and so we want to cheer that on. And so uh, it is my great honor uh, to invite my son, Garrett, to come to the stage and to share with us what God has put on his heart this morning. For us to grow spiritually, we need to acknowledge that we are better together. We actually need each other for us to bring the best out in each other. Look at the second word of the text here. It says, let us, not let me, not let you, let us. It's really tempting when we read the Bible to read it individually. We tend to write ourselves alone with Jesus into the text. Scripture like this sets us free from that kind of isolation. This is a team effort. It's about something bigger than our individual selves. That's why we say all the time around here, and you guys have heard this before, circles are better than rows. And my dad's mad because he gave me this phrase that I think is absolutely amazing. So I can't take credit for this. This is his saying, but I think this is, I can brag on it because it's not mine. This is an amazing, amazing phrase. And so if you taking notes, write this down. We can attend church in rows, but we can't be church in rows. If I only ever see the back of your head, I will never, you'll never get to know my story and I will never get to know yours. We'll never get to connect with each other. And that's the whole point of this. 
Let's look back here. It says the next phrase is stir up one another. And so I'm going to take, take the time to tell a story here. It was so good to get him to come home for, uh, for Thanksgiving break this year. I, it's hard being away from home all the way out in Florida. And so it's always good to come home, especially uh, at times of year with rich holiday family traditions. Um, and so one of those this year that my, it's one of my favorites is me and my brothers help my mom, or I should say my mom helps me and my brothers make our favorite dish for Thanksgiving. We each pick our favorite and she helps us make it. And my favorite is my mom's homemade mac and cheese. Holy cow. Who else like believes that the pilgrims got off the Mayflower or whatever? And like the first meal was just mac and cheese and like a little bit of turkey. Like my plate for New Year's or Christmas, whatever it was. I had like that much turkey and like that much mac and cheese. And then I went back for another full plate of mac and cheese. I, I think it's the best. I think that is the, the center course for Thanksgiving. So follow me with me here. If you've got a bowl and you take pasta and you boil up pasta and you drain the water and you now have a bowl of wet, cold pasta that like when you push on it, it makes that little squeaky, slimy sound, you know what I'm talking about? Like bubbles. And then you crack two raw eggs and you put those raw eggs in on top of that. You pour some cold milk and then you take a stick of butter right out of the fridge and just drop it in there. And then you walk over to your drawer and you put a metal spoon and you walk back over and you get a bite that makes sure that it has the noodles, the butter and the yolk of an egg. And then you grate some cheese on top of that. You load up cheese on top of this thing and then you grate some cheese on it and you take a bite of that. That is going to like, that is disgusting. Like that is awful. That is absolutely awful. That, like, that idea is just terrible. So hang with me here. This analogy is going to get deeper. We've established the let us. We're supposed to do this together, the team effort. But if we just gather here, get all the ingredients in the bowl, gathering, getting the ingredients together, and then we, and I'm giving my dad more credit than he deserves here by comparing him to the cheese. <laughs> but if we sit here and then load up with cheese, and then we go home, we didn't make mac and cheese. Like, that's not what happened. The next phrase is stir up one another. We can't just sit under the preaching of our pastor each week and consider the box checked. We have to mix it up. We have to plug in and we have to embrace Christian community. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. And I want to say this real quick. Some of us might be intimidated by small groups. We might think that we have nothing to offer that will benefit anybody else. or We have nothing to bring to the table that anybody else can help us with. We might think what we have to bring is a little cheesy. I had to, I'm sorry. But if we would trust our church leadership and mix it up together, it could change our lives. And I know it has changed my life. The truth that we are better together has been poured into me my whole life here at Temple. It's been interesting interning at a larger church. Uh, my leaders keep making comments to me and to my dad, who keeps spying on me with all his old friends from Florida. I can't get away with a single thing. Like, actually, every 10 feet, I bump into, like, an old lady that's like, I had your dad when he was in, like, nursery. Or I bump into, like, a middle-aged couple that's like, yeah, we went to college together. I played basketball with him, whatever. Or I bump into, like, a young adult, which makes him feel old, that was like, oh, yeah, he was my youth leader at a camp or something like that all the time. But they've talked to both me and to my dad about how I seem to impulsively drift towards building relationships with the students. And I think I've gotten that from seeing that in y'all. I've seen and I've heard that we can't experience all God has for us without authentic, vulnerable relationships that are formed by just showing up and entering in. 
and some of you in the room may be new to this, and I want to make this super, super clear, is that what we here at Temple consider a win is not that you would show up and watch this and think it's cool. We're not trying to impress you with the music, which is phenomenal, and our musicians are amazing. We're not trying to impress you with that, or the lights, or the smoke machines, or the coffee, or the sermons. None of that is our goal. Our goal is not that you would come to watch. Our goal and our number one desire is to connect with each and every single person who walks in these doors so that we can pursue Jesus together. And this is a super cool fact that I didn't know until my dad told me, and so you might not know this either. But in all the Apostle Paul's teachings in the New Testament, he only uses the phrase, my Lord, one time. Like, that in and of itself is incredible. But it gets better because he uses the phrase, our Lord, 53 times. Like, are we understanding how important that is? The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. So he talked about the Lord a whole lot. This is the guy who we learn the most from about what it looks like to follow Jesus. He taught us the most about what church is and what it looks like to be the church. This clearly sends the message that we serve an us slash we kind of God, not an I slash me kind of God. For us to know God, for us to love God, and for us to share God, we must connect with each other. And maybe for some of us, our picture of Christianity is the perfectly posed Instagram pic of a coffee cup and Bible all alone captured just me and Jesus, which don't get me wrong, like that's really important. But we can never experience the full Christian life unless it's also we and Jesus. So let's look back to the text here. The author of Hebrew acknowledges that a lot of people don't make this a priority. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Maybe some of our friend groups aren't in the habit of meeting together. And maybe some of us would even say members of our own family aren't in the habit of meeting together. We want you to know we are here for you. You are not alone because we believe we are better together. And even if it is the habit of some to neglect this priority, we still have a choice to make. Because the Christian life is not dependent on what anyone else does. It is not defined by what anyone else says. Community doesn't happen by accident. This text is calling us to intentionality. Look at the wording. It says, to consider, not neglecting, stir up, and encouraging. All of those words are action words. They're verbs. They require a commitment, intentionality. They require breaking a sweat. For us to experience the kind of community that will grow us spiritually, the kind of community that we need, it requires a commitment on our part. So community groups aren't about if we get along with everyone else's personalities, cheer for the same teams as everybody else does, dress the same, have the same friends outside of temple, share the same hobbies, or have the same background. True community isn't based on preference. It's based on priority. Community based on preference is easy. It won't challenge us or make us any better. It's not going to push us out of our comfort zone. So I encourage you to stop sitting back and waiting to see if community groups is something you might enjoy and make a commitment to connect with each other. And so I'm going to tell a story here. Um, many of you know my roommate, Ethan Harp. Me and Ethan have been friends for years and years. We are really close friends, um, and we're roommates now. But here's what we have in common. We both have been a part of this church together. We both graduated here from Temple Christian School. We both are big basketball enthusiasts. And now we're both roommates at Trinity Baptist College in Jacksonville, Florida. But we have a ton of differences that are really funny. So I'm going to tell you about some of those real quick. For starters, Ethan's from Kansas, and I was born in Georgia. 
Um, another one is I'm tall, and I'm actually not that tall. But if I stand next to him, I look really tall because <laughs> he's short. Um, I like the Cowboys, and he likes the Chiefs, which, by the way, I found this out on social media this week, which I thought was super cool. For the first time ever, you didn't have to go to New York to watch the ball drop. You just had to tune into any Chiefs game this season. If you don't know, they dropped the ball a lot this season, and I had to make fun of them, so sorry, but I had to. Another difference is I have long blonde hair, which can I just pause for a minute and say, Mr. Stan Wood's weird obsession with my hair makes me uncomfortable. Like, if I come home from Florida and my hair's grown out, he like treats it like Samson treated his hair, which it does not have the same effect at all, you can tell. But if I come home with short hair, he's like mad. He's like, why'd you cut it off, dude? You gotta let it grow out. Just thought I'd share it for a second. Anyways, I have long blonde hair and Ethan is, uh, oh, he's balding, which if you know his dad, Mr. Bill Harp, you know where he gets it from. And if you know my dad, you know, I don't have much room to talk, (laughs) but with what little room I do have left to talk, I'll leave it at, I have long hair and he has short hair. Um, and last but not least, I'm a Gator fan, which may not mean a lot to y'all, but I have lived here long enough. What are you laughing at? It's not that bad. It's that, it's that bad. I've lived here long enough to know that you guys do understand college football rivalries and the level of hatred involved in some of those rivalries. And so as a true Gator fan who bleeds orange and blue, there's one rule you have to hold fast to is that you never be friends with a Georgia Bulldog fan. And he's a Bulldog fan. So with all these differences, why would we choose to be roommates? Why would we choose to be such close friends? And that's because we share one very huge similarity that dwarfs any differences we may have. And that's that we both love Jesus and want to grow closer with him. This picture here, this is me and Ethan this summer at Engage Camp, just worshiping together. Because this is what's priority in our lives. Over all the jokes we make, over all the basketball time we've been playing, this is the most important thing. That's not because we're super spiritual people, believe me. And most of the leaders in this room can attest to that. But that's because that's how it's supposed to work. Before he and I were like roommates in college, we were in a small group together here at Temple Student Ministry. We didn't realize then that God was building community between us that would bear fruit later. We were just showing up week after week in the environment God had prepared for us. So, okay, let's circle back to the mac and cheese illustration. Even once it's mixed up, it's still not edible. For it to be as delicious as I've hyped it up to be, you have to take the time to let it bake. In the same way, authentic community takes time. This isn't a one-and-done thing. We have to commit to this. Commit to showing up week after week and plugging in with our group. And so I want to take a minute here to both publicly apologize and express extreme gratitude to the youth leaders in this room that have poured into me. Um, I mentioned previously that as I've started maturing in little teeny tiny bits of ways, I'm seeing things through new lenses. And one of those things is youth ministry, getting to serve out there with the internship. I want to thank you all for both seeing and striving to bring the best out in me, even though I was a little hellraiser a few years ago. And to the youth in this room, both here in the front and spread throughout the room, take advantage of what you have while you got it. I would have 100% said I was appreciative of my leaders while I was under their authority. And I'm not questioning your appreciation of them at all. All I'm saying is I'm imploring you to think about how much you mean to them. 
Some of these leaders spend their Wednesdays working at their jobs, speeding home to get foods in the mouths of their kids, and then hightailing it back help here to invest in y'all. And that's not for the paycheck they don't get or for the bragging rights that they're going to get with Jesus one day. But that's because they love y'all and they care for y'all. And I can guarantee you, no matter how much you know or think you know or feel you know or believe you know or whatever, there is always more behind the scenes that you will never know about in regards to their weekly sacrifices for y'all and the tears shed for y'all. So I encourage y'all to lean in this semester and grab hold of the opportunity to experience the life change and community with those who love you, especially to the upperclassmen. The closer you get to graduation, the more it begins to feel natural to drift away from this community. And no matter how true it feels, there is no amount of time left that is too small to plug back in. At no point is it too late for you to get back into community. Now more than ever, you need this community to launch you into the next season of life. And for the rest of the room, even if I haven't been a part of an adult community group, I do know all the facilitators of those groups. And everything that I have said is true about these youth leaders in the front is true about our facilitators as well. They're here for you. They want to walk alongside of you, and they're making sacrifices for you. So you also have an opportunity to experience life change through community this year. If you have been plugged in to community groups, I encourage you to stay connected through the spring. Like, let this be like a, re-igni- like a reignition. Just keep going. Keep pushing. Stay involved. But if you have not been, I can't think of a better decision to make as we start a new year than to join a community group and go all in. Again, thank you so much for letting me share my heart today. Thank you to this church community that has modeled for me that life change in Jesus is experienced because we are better together. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you so much for the sacrifices you make for us on a daily basis. Thank you so much for this community that we have here. Pray that we not take it for granted, but that we enjoy and relish in the goodness of who you are to us through this community that you've given us. We love you so much, Lord, and it's your name we pray. Amen.